The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. For now, we've got a couple in the live YouTube chat that I wanted to get to, John. One is from Sean Blankenship. It says, would you activate Alden Tate if only for red zone targets? Now, if just a little, little background. The Bengals recently activated him to the, the, the roster this, you know, this last week, uh, especially in the wake of A.J. Green's injury. So he is now on the the 53-man the roster, but uh, we don't know if he will be activated or not this week. You mentioned, John, that Josh Malone was was on the uh, the injury report on, on Thursday. So that's an interesting thing. But do you think that Alden Tate could be – we've talked about this a lot because his size, lack of speed, but good hands. You know, could he be that hybrid – tight end wide receiver guy at Devin Funches, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, one of these guys that can do some things in the red zone. And maybe that's where his niche is as an activated player. I suppose I'll take it one step further. And, you know, for listeners of the show, they, they know that I wasn't too high on Tate, even in the preseason when he was making waves. But at this point, I mean, like you just kind of see who you have. And it's Cody Corp and intro Josh Malone, and Alex Erickson, who I appreciate as wide receiver, but I know he isn't much. If Alden Tate can't like, you know, win a couple routes against a guy like E.L. Apple who's struggled immensely over his career, I just don't see what the point is even having him on the team. You might as well just, you know, trot him out there for a, a couple snaps, you know, at the X during midfield and even more so in the red zone. If you're gonna if you're gonna have him, you know, on the active roster without AJ Green, you're missing that true X in your offense. It might as well try out to see if it's Alden Tate in, in this in this specific scenario, because again, the Saints pass defense is not good at all. And if I, I know Auden Tate's still not there yet as a prospect, but if he's truly as talented and as you know magnificent a receiver as Florida State fans or even Bengals fans will have you say, is let him prove it. Because at this point, Cody Core sure sure isn't. Josh Malone still has, is basically the offense's version of Jordan Willis. And again, Erickson's just Erickson. So you have literally nothing else to lose by playing him and just letting him make the mistakes because it's better to let Auden Tate make the, make those mistakes against the weak secondary than the guy that you've seen make, make those mistakes over and over. So yeah, I want to see him in the red zone. Heck I want to see him during midfield to see if he can convert some third downs because we've mentioned that the Bengals offense has, has struggled to keep flow and without their best receiver, that's going to be even more of a challenge. So yeah, look, 
Let, let's see what Auden Tate can do and against the weak secondary. I'm I'm for it. Yeah, and I don't I don't think we're we're talking about you know an exorbitant amount of snaps. Uh, right. You know, I, I but I think there are plays that hey, put him out there for the plays that you saw him succeed with in the preseason. Put him out there for the plays that you saw him dominate at practices and and offseason work. But if he's out there, draw those plays up for him and get him involved. Ones he that you know he can make, ones that he's comfortable with. Um, you know, the, those are the things that you, you're going to need to do. If you're asking him to maybe do some different things, some things he's not used to doing, and and if you're expecting the world from him because Green is out and you need to replicate that production somehow, that's not going to work. But Red zone, short yardage. Um, you know, he's got a big, big body, big catching radius. So there's a little bit more margin for error on a throw, I guess, from from Andy Dalton. So, um, you know, I, I'm kind of with you. Why not? And that sounds funny to say because usually you say that when a team is, you know, out of the playoff race or something. You know, it's towards the end of the season. You kind of go, well, we got to see what these young guys get, but uh, what these young guys give us, but. I mean, green's out. You got to find something. You got to find something that works and that helps the offense. So, um, yes, and I do think that given his size, I think that he could be, as uh, the question asked, he could be a good red zone target going forward here. Um, another question here we had uh, – Let's see. Oh, okay. Vernon Lawson. This is an interesting one in the live YouTube chat. Basically saying, you know, with AJ Green down, the outlook doesn't look good, all that kind of stuff. But he also said now that we have a half a season under the belt. And I think we've kind of been asked this before earlier in the year, but I think now that there's a half a season and now there's a lot of injuries and things where you can kind of say, well, this is where the Bengals need to do some stuff. He's, he's talking about draft priorities next year. Um, so positional draft priorities, you mentioned struggles at linebacker. Um, the defense just is porous this, this year. I, that's coaching, also maybe talent in certain positions. There's a lot of tough decisions potentially for the Bengals to make too on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball coming forward. Tyler Eifert, do you give him another shot or do you say, dude, we already gave you the, the one-year deal on a prove-it thing. You still couldn't stay healthy even though it's a freak thing. Maybe it's time to, to move on and tight end is a high priority. What do you do about Vontez Perfect? Right? I mean, in the limited time he's what what has he played? Two games this year? Mm-hmm. And and in those games, he didn't even play well. Uh and he's been hurt or suspended this year. You can't he's he's been proven to be relatively unreliable uh in in certain facets. So where do you look? What do you prioritize in, in the next couple of, well, as, as the offseason approaches? We don't want to say that this season is over because it's not. The Bengals are right in the hunt. But there are warts on this team that are very noticeable. Yeah, and I think it just boils down to three things. Just right side of the offensive line, still an issue, whatever you want to look at it. It could just be one position if they move Billy Price to right guard. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right tackle is still a need, even if Bobby Hart's not been – the total disaster that I kind of predicted he's been okay, but they can definitely do better. And there's talented uh, tackles coming up in the draft linebacker. 
Um, not only just with Vontas Burfecht, but there's nobody else besides him when Nick Vigil's um, not on the field and he's entering the last year of his contract uh, for 2019. And then, yeah, for tight end, um, they need that vertical threat there because, you know, as much as I liked Uzoma and as much as you like Uzoma, you know, he still hasn't proven to be that consistent guy there. And there's, and, and you look at the, the at the defense, and the defensive line is pretty solid with Lawson healthy. With that, we'll see how much that that second pass rusher is still needed behind Lawson. And the secondary, I think I'm for the most part comfortable for where it is now because Drake Patrick has his up, ups and downs, and Darius Phillips has shown some promise at slot corner. If they move on with Dark Dark West Denard, obviously another receiver would help with with depth because the guys that are developing there still haven't really shown anything. Um, and then backup quarterback as well, but that's not you know if if they want to keep Dalton for another two years, it's not something they need to invest with more than more than like a third round pick. So top three needs probably still right tackle, uh, linebacker, and tight end because of just so much uncertainty and such ineffectiveness to what what is there right now. This is going to probably come out the wrong way, but when I saw Alex Redmond's missing of practices earlier in the week, I got a little. I don't want to say excited because I don't want the guy to be hurt or anything like that, but I, I I wish it would at least force the coaches to maybe think about the Hopkins price, both starting thing mm-hmm. um, and give it a shot. And Hey, we could be idiots and it doesn't work. Um, but I, I think it's worth a look because Hopkins played well at a, at a secondary position coming in for price price was a guard in college also, you know, and then he, and then he transitioned to center. So, I mean, it just kind of makes sense, but you know, uh, the the Bengals are pretty set in their ways on that front at any rate, hard to disagree with, with what you're saying. I just, like I said, there's just, there's some tough decisions to make. And I mentioned a couple already. Um, You also may need to face a a couple of tough, tough decisions at, at edge rusher. I mean, Lawson will now be coming off a, an ACL tear, um, and he's had an ACL tear in both knees now. That's not good. Um, Michael Johnson's getting up there in age. That Yeah, you drafted two defensive ends the past two seasons with third-round picks, but, um, again, we, we talked about Willis earlier. We don't know what's going on there. And then wide receiver, too. Yeah, you've invested high picks on, on, on three guys, uh, borderline four if you want to count Malone, but uh, there's just not much happening behind green and, and Boyd at this point. So, you know, there's just some tough decisions that the Bengals need to face going forward. You mentioned the secondary and the cornerbacks. It's, it's a shame that William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick and Darquez Denard for varying reasons have combined for goose egg interceptions this year. That, yeah. that is, that is not good. Uh, and that needs to change if the Bengals defense is to make any kind of a turnaround. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, it's hard to disagree with you on, on direction for the draft there, but good question there from, uh, from Vernon. Let's go with one more and we'll get out of here, John. Um, and this is from AJM, AJM. I don't know if that's a a tip of the cap to Mr. McCarran or not, but, uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll go, we'll go with it. Um, we kind of talked about this last week. Um, basically, is it? It's just another facet of what we talked about last week. But basically, he's he or she is asking: Is the defense struggling due to Terrell Austin's system, or is it simple communication issues? Now, I, I teeter on this 
because I, I wrote a mailbag on this on Cincy Jungle, and it was based on some of these questions we've received. And I saw it as, you know, Gunther and Zimmer, when they drafted guys like – or when they were here and the team drafted guys like Kirkpatrick in the first round, Denard in the first round – Jackson in the first round. These are press man corners. These are guys that you want to put on an island, and these are guys that can get physical with receivers, jam them up, all that kind of stuff. Um, they also have good, you know, pretty good speed. They can they can play catch up if they get beat, that sort of thing. And so what what those guys Zimmer and Gunther like to do, they like to kind of leave those guys on the on the islands a bit. Yeah, they use the safety to help out back there, but they would they would do a lot of island coverages with those guys try and then try and get pressure up front. Now that's been all kinds of inconsistent this year. And to me, that points to Austin. I do see that this is where I get confused on pro football focuses ratings because they, they are all about Jesse Bates and Jesse Bates has had a good season. He's done a lot of good things. He's created a lot of turnovers, but I see a lot of communication issues in the back end of this defense. Um, and I think part of that has to do with Bates' inexperience. I think also Williams is learning to play with Bates. He played with Aloka for a long time. He also mixed in with Reggie Nelson for a long time, so he's learning to play with Bates. They're all learning Austin's system. Um, but it seems to me that there's a, a, very, a very high amount of big passes, big touchdowns, and a lot of looking around at each other and where are you type of thing. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, like you said, a combination of both. Um, just when looking at just the linebackers, and this might just be transcends to more than just an Austin thing, but just in the recent history of just the Bengals defense, they don't they don't ask their linebackers to do a lot, and they ended up get getting very little production from them as a result. And uh, Joe Goodberry has you know, um, observed this a lot on Twitter in terms of his film reviews and how little the – of depth that the linebackers playing coverage and that allows the middle of the field behind them to be so vacant. And they tip and typically in the past, they've had their safeties play, you know, decently back because they just don't have the range. And as a result, the middle of the field is vacant wide open. And so they have, you know, passes going over the middle, you know, uncontested. And then on some place where they do drop their linebackers back, then just the short intermediate middle of the field is wide open for running backs and tight ends. So I think that's, something that Austin has failed to evolve in the current, the current landscape of the defense. And it's, but we also can't forget that they don't have talented linebackers really without Nick Vigil on the field. And if Nick Vigil's your best linebacker, that position group in itself is not very strong in the first place. So yeah. definitely a lack of a severe lack of personnel from that group. And then just in a defense, you don't, if linebacker is your least talented group, it's not the end of the world, but just for the fact of, how little talent there is there. It's such a strong issue. And a guy like Zimmer was able to compensate with, without star players there because he was such a talented mind for getting his edge rushers and his quarterbacks to play at a high level. And it's something that Tarawson just hasn't been able to do with, you know, the guys that have needed to step up. So I definitely agree with you with the fact that Bates being a first year player, as impressive as he has in a vacuum, you know, if they're relying on him to consistently make the right reads and calls and coverages, there's going to be mistakes and we've definitely seen, you know, Jackson and Kirkpatrick, you know, you know, leave wide open guys in their zones because they thought they were passing off to someone else. We've seen double moves happen. We've seen a lot of miscommunications specifically from that Buccaneers game where big plays have happened. That's kind of why they let up that lead. So yeah, definitely 
a, a strong sense of a lack of communication from the back end there. But even with that said, you know, we, we have to admire the, the season that Bates has had and maybe put more blame on Austin for really putting that load on Bates and not maybe on Williams to make those calls and to make those adjustments and coverage um, a, a, as we've seen them do. So I do think it's a little bit of both, but we can't all put it on Austin when we, when we look at what the personnel he's been dealing with, with, with injuries and such. Yeah. And, you know, Rel Phoenix in the live YouTube chat says it's tackling exclamation point. I, yes, but that's just part of the problem. Right. Uh, you know, getting off the field on third down, letting up third and long situations, second and long situations. That's a problem. And Hey, you know, it's easy to bash Austin and yes, he is to blame, but there have been times, how many, how many times has I mentioned earlier about the trio of Kirkpatrick, Denard, and Jackson not having an interception. How many times have we seen Jackson and Kirkpatrick this year get their hands on footballs that should have been intercepted and were not? Yeah. And those could have changed the landscape of those games in which that – I mean, I think there was three or four games in a row where Kirkpatrick had a, a, a should-be interception, did not. Jackson, mm-hmm. I can think of at least two that, that happened this year. I mean, you get your hands on half of those – that's a big deal. Um, and then, like you said, the injuries pile up. Vigil, Denard, uh, Lawson now. Um, perfect being out of the lineup for various reasons. I mean, that that doesn't help anything. Um, and the pass defense is dead last. Maybe the remedy, you know, you talked about Darius Phillips. Maybe the remedy now is going more nickel and dime kind of base defense, get more defensive backs out there. Um, yeah, there may be some mismatches in terms of tackling on that front, especially if it's against a, a big tight end or something. But, um, you know, it may limit some of these big plays and, and get more of those guys out there. I don't know. But, um, again, we've talked about this on the show basically since the Bengals started this year, and that's the the way they're winning and the, the concern of sustainability for this team to get to the postseason and through the postseason with a – basically a defense that's ranked near or at the bottom in, in a lot of major categories. You just, yeah. it's very hard to do that, especially when yes, Andy Dalton's playing very well, potentially some, some of the best football in his career. But when you don't have a Rogers, a breeze, a Brady that you can say, okay, well the defense is faltering, but we've got a guy that can put up 35, 40 points a game. No problem. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and like I said earlier, John, the offense has also played a part into this issue where because the Bengals for the first two quarters come out a lot of times real hot, and then they disappear in that third quarter and early parts of the fourth quarter, a lot of three and outs, and just getting the defense back out there, getting the defense back out there when they need a rest. And uh, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not helping things either. So there, there's a couple of things at play there. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us live, and thank you for downloading the program. You can get it on YouTube, on iTunes. You can get it on Art19, Google Play, Stitcher, and CincyJungle.com. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. 
and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.